0: Stay tuned now for Wild Oak Living. Morning, Mendocino County and beyond. Welcome to Wild Oak Living, the program that comes to you every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. and it's all about living sustainable, sustainably and building community in Mendocino County and beyond. Today I have two really great topics for you. Uh, by the way, this is Johanna Wild Oak and, and I bring you this, uh, I've been bringing you this program for a while now here on KZOX and today I have Two really great topics for you, some fascinating members of our community to talk about their organizations. We're going to start out with by talking with Vicki Wellspring about uh, Project Sanctuary. April is uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and you're going to be fascinated to learn all the things that are happening this month and all the things Project Sanctuary is doing for our community. So stay tuned for that coming up. In just a moment, and then uh, in the later in the hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Rose Bell from the Community Foundation of Mendocino County, and they're going to talk about their COVID nineteen relief fund and uh, an application process that uh, nonprofits can join to get uh, Zoom grants and other and other uh, COVID nineteen relief funds. And there's a deadline coming up, and we're going to be talking about that process and a general about the Community Foundation and their COVID-19 Relief Fund. So that's coming up later in the hour, but right now I would like to welcome Vicki Wellspring to join us and talk to us about Project Sanctuary. Welcome to Wilder Living,
1: Vicki. Thank you, Johanna. Thank you for having me and uh, hello to everybody in the community this morning. Um, Project
0: Sanctuary is is an amazing gift to our community, and it's been around for a long time and has done so many amazing things. I'm wondering if we, would, we could start out talking a little bit about the history of Project Sanctuary and how you came to be associated with it.
1: Yes, I would love to. So, um, Project Sanctuary is Mendocino County's Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Response and Crisis Center. And Project Sanctuary started in Ukiah in 1977 and it grew out of um, the grassroots movement that was happening at the time which um, is referred to as the battered women's movement so before that women um, really didn't have any recourse for domestic violence they weren't able to get help from the courts there weren't shelters that were set up specifically for people who were victims or survivors of domestic violence and so um, people were organizing at a grassroots level and doing peer counseling and helping each other and that's how Project Sanctuary first began in Ukiah. And then um, around the same time, there was a a sister agency in Fort Bragg called the CARE Project, which was also assisting survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. And in the early 90s, the two kind of came together and and formed the Project Sanctuary as we know it right now with an agency, with an office in Ukiah and an office in Fort Bragg on the coast. And rape crisis services were officially added in 1991. So that's kind of the background. And we started doing prevention work in 2005. So, having um, curriculums in the schools, educating kids on healthy relationships and um, how to keep themselves safe, and um, been going ever since. So, some of the folks that work at Project Sanctuary have been have been with the agency the entire time, and that's um, such a blessing to have people with so much institutional knowledge and um, have been so rooted in this movement for a long time to still mentor those of us that are are joining this movement now. And how long have you been associated with it and what's your role there? I am the volunteer coordinator on the coast. So I, um, facilitate an 80 hour training every year for people who want to be domestic violence and sexual assault peer counselors and answer our crisis line after hours. Um, and I started working at project sanctuary about four years ago and I, um, got into this work through taking through participating in this volunteer training so i started as a volunteer and then um got this position as a as a full-time job so that's how i started and i also do client advocacy and um crisis counseling and um whatever whatever is needed outreach um at the at the coast office you've already mentioned uh,
0: several of the things that your organization does you know, outreach, counseling, crisis response. Uh, i just give us a little bit of an overview over the broad range of amazing things that you do. I mentioned before we went on the earth air that I looked at just the things that you're planning to do for the for April sexual awareness month in our community. And just reading that list left me tired because <laughs> you're doing so many amazing things. So I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about both sort of in general um, what your organization does and then specifically what's coming up in April which is
1: uh, Sexual
0: Assault Awareness Month
1: Yes, I would love to so um, really I want to talk about how the the backbone of Project Sanctuary really is our volunteers and um, our volunteers answer our crisis line when the office is closed so um, we have two crisis line numbers Um, in Fort Bragg it's 964 4357 and in Ukiah 463-4357 three, three, um, and we offer 24-7 uh, crisis counseling through those lines so if somebody is in need of services after the office is closed they can call that and trained volunteers will answer and assist them we also offer crisis counseling during the day um, uh, outside of COVID we have walk-in hours 8 30 to 4 30 now Um, on the coast we're pretty much doing a lot of that through the phone but um, our office is open our staff are there now just actually starting this week Um, so we have long-term counseling people can see a counselor once a week for as long as they need and that's to talk about issues that may have be happening right now or may have happened in the past so I always say it doesn't matter if if an assault occurred Today or 50 years ago, you still can access our services and get support and help around those issues. Um, We offer legal advocacy, so we help people uh, complete and fill out temporary restraining order forms. And we do court accompaniment so that um, when they go to court to to get those orders granted, they have somebody with them as a support person. Um, We also do... Um, we have a shelter in Ukiah at, a, at an undisclosed location. So we have shelter services um, in Ukiah, and we can also house people in temporary housing on the coast. Um, and one of the things that came out of COVID through um, grants from the county and through assistance from the Community Foundation, which I know you're going to be speaking to later, is um, an ability to house people for longer-term times in motels on the coast, which we didn't have before. We had pretty limited amount of of housing. Um, We also have a transitional housing program in Ukiah and on the coast, which is an incredible opportunity for people. And one of the ways that um, advocates and um, counselors know is a real way to get out of the cycle of domestic violence is to get secure and affordable housing. So we have a program where we can house people for up to two years. We pay their rent and their utilities, and we help them budget and save money so that when the, the program is finished, they can continue to support themselves. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. It's really great. That is, um, that is a real gem of our agency to be able to offer this housing to people.
0: Because so that- one of the ops you know when you're in when you're in a domestic violence situation or in an abuse situation, uh you know one of one of the th- issues that often comes up is you know i'm not I'm financially dependent. how do I get out of this?
1: Yes, right. Absolutely, and a lot of people are experiencing financial abuse, and they may not even know that that's what's happening to them. So if somebody is controlling all of the money in a household, not allowing somebody to work or forcing somebody to work to um, take care of the household just themselves, those are all examples of financial abuse, and they really make it hard for people to be able to leave. Yeah. Okay. You were on a roll, so I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, that's okay. Um, we also have an angel fund, so we can uh, help people with, um, you know, if, if they need their utilities paid or they may need some extra financial support. We, have, um, we can provide people with gas cards and food cards and vouchers for the thrift store. So um, kind of s- small financial help that can um, work in a fix. And, um, let me see is there and then we have our volunteer training so so this is this 80-hour training to prepare people to be peer counselors and everyone who works at Project Sanctuary is a peer counselor we have one therapist that's inland but everyone else has the same certification which is a California state certification for domestic violence and sexual assault peer counselors and that really is a reflection of how this movement um started back in the 70s with peers helping peers and survivors helping survivors and I I I feel really lucky to be part of a, a movement that is inclusive in this way, and and about people helping each other. So um, that that training is about halfway done right now, but I do offer it every year, and we're doing it online on Zoom this year, and which is working out great. We've combined the Ukiah and the Fort Bragg training, so for one countywide training, um, we have lots of. Um, guest speakers. So somebody comes from law enforcement and the district attorney office and a um, retired SART nurse comes and talks about the process for um, getting a, a SART exam if somebody's been sexually assaulted. And um, different partners from um, our partnering agencies come and talk to our volunteers. And, and we also do extensive crisis counseling training.
0: Have you noticed an increase in the demand for your services during the pandemic? Because I've, I've read that because people are, you know, especially during lockdown, that, that um, uh, abuse has seems to have increased because simply because people are more, you know, in more confined spaces together for longer.
1: Yes. Um, yes, we've all read about that. And um I'm not certain that we have seen the uptick in crisis calls that would reflect that exactly. But what I have seen is an increase in young people reaching out about sexual assault. And I have seen an increase in people having a lot of uh, financial needs that, that there's just so much more need in our community. There's a lot of people experiencing unemployment and poverty and people really need resources right now. So we have seen um, a great increase in that.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, volunteers and you mentioned that you do a volunteer training um, and, and you mentioned that you've seen an increased need of young people reaching out. What's the role of, of young people in your organization, both in terms of the services that you provide and also in terms of volunteers?
1: So we serve people who are 12 and older. So anybody 12 and up can come and access our services. They don't have to have a parent. Um, And we can even help people that young with getting a restraining order if that's something that they need. They don't have to have a parent sign off on it. Um, Young people are... Um, just the most fabulous group of people to work with. So I'm so happy that in the last few years on the coast, we've really increased our outreach to young people. And a lot of that is because of the work of my coworker, Alexandra Corzano, who um, created and um, developed a, a new youth um, center at our agency in our at our office in Fort Bragg called La Puerta and that's um, an access point for teens and youth to access our services and this grew out of um, Alexandra noticing that teens may not have felt comfortable coming into the main agency and talking to folks, you know, talking to um people who aren't their peers so um, alexandra developed this curriculum to train youth advocates and um open this space for them and with covid we it hasn't been open but as we get back into the office i'm hoping to see it it being able to um, be accessed by youth again and part of the training that uh, alexandra created is this ending sexual violence curriculum that um they have taken throughout the county and have now trained 10 youth advocates Um, to use this curriculum and to train other youth. So it's it's an awesome project and program that will have a spiraling impact um, as more youth are trained to train each other. Um, and that's one very exciting thing happening with our agency right now. We also have uh, youth in the volunteer training currently, and three youth were in the um, previous year's volunteer training. So I'm just so excited to see what's going to happen with all of these young people getting involved.
0: I was very it was very educational for me when my daughter was in high school, which is now a long time ago. Uh, but she was a peer counselor when she was there, and it taught me about the necessity of having. People who are who you consider your peers to be uh, available to talk to, uh, and to trust, and to open up to.
1: Yes, it's so important. Um, that's why that's why I love the um, survivor helping survivor background of our agency. It's just um, a really important point, and um, yeah, I, I
0: let's talk. We 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 started to talk about. Uh, uh, April being uh, Sexual Assault Awareness a Month, month and and I and I mentioned that you have a lot of events coming up. Do you want to spend a little bit of time taking us through what you're planning to do this month? I know it's a long list, and people can read more about it at your website, ProjectSanctuary.org. So yeah, I, I, you...
1: I actually think that that list is from a previous year, but we still have a lot of events coming up this year as well. So I'll tell you about. Oh, okay. Them. Um, I just glanced at it when we were talking. Um, I'll tell you all about them for right now. So, um, what we have going on right now is, um, on Wednesday, April 14th and 21st, one of our volunteers, John Worthington, um, he's a, he's a registered nurse is, um, offering his class nurturing the, um, Nurturing the nature of comfort and health, which is a class about coping skills and different practical techniques that people can use if they feel themselves getting into a crisis state. And that's going to be on Zoom and it's from 5:30 to 6:30. Folks don't need to um, pre-register, but if they want the link, they can go to our Facebook page, um, which is just facebookcom um, Sanctuary Inc. Um or they can email me and I'll say my email now, but I'll say it again at the end of the program. Um it's just Vicky V-I-C-K-I at project Um so that's something that's happening the next two weeks on Wednesdays. And then we have three community presentations that are going to be happening on at the end of the month that are extensions of Alexandra's Youth Advocate Program and will be partially facilitated by youth. Um, One is going to be on April 23rd, and that's kind of an overview of um, what is sexual violence and how does it impact everyone and how to support survivors. On April 26th, they're going to be going over how to report a sexual assault, um, what are the different options for people, and what is the process of a SART exam like. And then on April 30th, there's going to be a bystander intervention training. So what can we do as as members in the community to help prevent sexual assault or to um, intervene if we see something happening? And that can be from a small level all the way from um, intervening or not making it acceptable for people to make jokes about sexual assault or rape, all the way to what can you do if you see something happening um, in front of you? Um, And then we are going to have one live, um, in-person, socially distanced, masked event in Fort Bragg on April 24th, which is a Saturday from 12 to 2 at the Town Hall in Fort Bragg. And this event is called Love Letter to a Survivor. And I think this is such a a great idea. So um, April is also Child Abuse Prevention Month. So we're going to have a place for people to have chalk and chalk supportive messages to survivors of sexual violence and child abuse. And just to show that the community is here, that we support survivors, that we believe survivors, and that um, we want to show them that, that they are loved and cared for.
0: And I want to mention that you have a lot of really good, useful information on your website about how to protect yourself, how to pro- uh, how to protect against sexual assault, um, internet safety, um, legal guidance, um, and also workplace guidelines, which is very important. Um, and so, if you know, if, if anything that we don't have to time to talk about during this hour, there's a lot of reading material. Uh, which is well written and very succinct on the website projectsanctuary.org. If you if you if you click on protect yourself, there's all this information. I was particularly interested uh, in two things when I when I reviewed this again this morning, and that is the information about uh, protecting uh, protecting your child or protecting children, and also like you just mentioned, the the bystander. The, the information for bystanders: What you can do if you are in a situation that might develop into assault, or if an assault is taking place. So, I'm just wondering if we can spend a couple minutes on, on each of those topics, protecting children, and and a little bit more detail about what you can do if you are in a situation where something might be happening or is happening.
1: Yes, yes, of course. Thank you. Um, yeah. so on the topic of protecting children, um, you know, this is a, a really intense subject. It's very emotional for a lot of people. Um, but one thing that we can all do um, with our children or with children that we know is just to spend time with them, to let them know that we care about them, to be open and honest about how we're feeling and to develop that um, connection with children. Because we know that um, children who have experienced abuse Um, one of the resiliency factors that makes that experience not have lifelong detrimental effects is to have one adult in a child's life that they can talk to. And that might not be their parents. That can be you. So that is something that each one of us can do for a child in our lives is be there for them. Um, and so another thing that, um, I encourage people to do when, when for parents is to just Talk very directly about um, different body parts and use the correct terminology for body parts. There's nothing shameful about saying the correct terminology for our, our genitals and our different body parts and letting children know that their body is their own, that they own their body, it belongs to them and it's not for anybody else, and that they have the right to say if they want what they want to do with their body and who they want to hug and kiss and give them the option to, and and have people in your family ask the child first can I give you a hug can I give you a kiss so that they can practice what it feels like to have autonomy over their body and then when they grow up they can risk um expect that from others and they can also extend that respect to other people and so that they don't become um, entitled or enraged if somebody doesn't want them to touch them um, and they can accept that and understand that that's um, that is a normal part of of life and that is a healthy way to uh, interact with other people so those are just my two- granddaughter my oh. granddaughter
0: went through this kind of kind of training and 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 i had to learn you know simple things like Asking her, can I zip up your jacket? Can I put on your hat? You know, these, these are things that you don't think about, but, but, you know, they reinforce the sense that, that these children are autonomous and that they get to choose, you know, the kind of interaction that you have with them. yes
1: absolutely i mean we live in a very adult centered society so um it's it is hard to um for most of us adults to comprehend that children are just like us and they want to be treated with respect and they want to have ownership over their body and their and their thoughts
0: yes Let's talk a bit about if you, if you, the bystander thing. If you happen to find yourself in a situation, and maybe also weave in, and if you are a person that's in a situation that's uncomfortable, what can you know? Some just some some simple tips. I know you have much more information, as I mentioned, on your website projectsanctuary.org about protecting yourself. So I would encourage everyone to go to the website and read about that. It's very Very enlightening. But just give us a a few simple tips for bystanders or if you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation.
1: Well, I think one of the things that we can all do as bystanders right now is to kind of try to shift um, the ideas in ourselves that that might be around victim blaming. So we all kind of have these ideas that... that maybe somebody got what they deserved or that somebody did something wrong or they were drinking or um, they wore clothes that they shouldn't have been wearing and that's why people become victims of sexual assault or domestic violence. But people only become victims of sexual assault or domestic violence because somebody else chose to be violent that is the reason why. So working within ourselves to, to um, kind of like uproot and unprogram these victim blaming ideas that, that are really prevalent in our society is something that we can all do. Um, and you don't have to be in any specific situation. You can do that on your own. And then, like I said before, starting to call out little things when you see them. Um, starting to call out misogyny and racism. These are all the underpinnings of sexual assault and domestic violence. So um, if you if you see something or you hear something, say something. And it can just be a little thing like, what did you mean by that? Or um, I don't agree with that. I don't, I that's not true. I don't like that when you say that. Um, just to even get a conversation starting with another person. And that can feel very scary. But that's something that we all really need to do if we're going to um, try to and sexual violence um, in our society. And then if you're out and you feel uncomfortable, um, remembering that a situation in which somebody is pressuring you is not your fault and just keeping that in your mind and that you can get out of it. You can be true to yourself. You can um, ask somebody for help. I know there's a lot of things um, I see circulating on the internet that say like, um, if you, you can, Ask just another woman to if you're in a bar or something and, and you're um to to say that they're with you if you're alone, um, just to have some backup. Um or you can you don't um owe anybody anything really in any kind of situation. So if somebody is bothering you, it is fine to lie to them, it is fine to leave, it is fine to ask the, the bartender or whoever you're with for help. Um you don't have to um, be nice to people if they are um violating your boundaries and having having thinking about boundaries for yourself outside of these situations can can be really helpful too so just getting to know yourself getting to know what your boundaries are what you're comfortable with and then being true to that um, is something that we can all do and then certainly if you see something and you're out in public um trying to get other people involved intervening just to get in between two people you don't have to be like a big person or um, you don't have to escalate the situation actually trying to de-escalate things is is the best way to go um, changing the subject just pretending like you know the one the person who seems to be being pressured or um, in danger you know you can just be like oh my gosh I haven't seen you in so long I'm so glad to see you what are you doing here and kind of moving them away? from the situation. Um, these are just little things that are relatively low risk that we can do.
0: Let me take a moment to let everyone know that you are listening to Wild Oak Living here on KZYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. This is Johanna Wild Oak and this program comes to you every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. It's about living sustainably in building community you can get in touch if you have suggestions and feedback and questions about this program by sending an email to contact at org. That's contact at org. Today, my guest is Vicki Wellsprings. She is the uh, volunteer coordinator for Project Sanctuary. And the reason we are talking right now is because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and we are talking about the work of Project Sanctuary in our community that's been They've been doing such amazing work since 1977, and um, and I am just so impressed by all the things that you do, and uh, I'm really happy to have you on today. Um, there's two more things I want to make sure we talk about, because we only have about 10 minutes left, and that is, um, uh, if if a sexual assault happens to you, what do you do? And then I want to talk about the whole funding and how people can support
1: your organization. Okay, thank you. Um if a sexual assault happens to you, um, there are several different things that you can do. Um, you can do nothing. That is an option. Um, you can call Project Sanctuary and and, um, and talk to us about your emotional support needs. You can report to law enforcement and that is something that a, an advocate can accompany you to do. Um, and you can also get a SART exam. So, um, SART stands for a sexual assault response team. And, um, SART exams have, have been kind of previously known as rape kits. And what that means is you can, um, go with an advocate to Ukiah, um, hospital or to Willits and, um, you will be, Uh, Given a private room that is specifically for this procedure, a nurse who is specifically trained in this procedure will um, give you an exam and take evidence that will be um, kept by um, law enforcement and possibly used if a criminal court proceeding happens as a result of the assault. Something that is important for people to know is that you can access SAR exams even if you choose not to report to law enforcement. That is your right Um, as a citizen of the state of California, and that evidence must be kept for 20 years or up until your 40th birthday if the um, assault happened before you were 18. You also do not have to pay for this exam. The Office of Emergency Services funds these exams or um, local law enforcement pays for them if they have um, agreed to um, go forward with that route. So those are, those are some options. Um, and then generally what happens if you report to law enforcement, um, law enforcement will contact you. There will be an interview. And then after they have gathered evidence, they will um, give that evidence and interview to the DA who will make a decision on whether or not to um, go forward with a criminal trial. Um, and... Project Sanctuary Advocates can be with you at every step of the way during this process if you want. And, you know, we don't encourage people to do one thing or another. Part of the basis of our um, philosophy and our program is that um, survivors are the experts of their own lives, and we want to support people in whatever they choose to do. And empower them to, to feel strong about making those decisions and to feel confident in those decisions. So not everybody wants to report and that for many, many reasons. And that is, that is okay. We support you in whatever you choose.
0: Okay. Thank you for that quick overview. And I know there's more information on your website as well. And of course, you can always call Project Sanctuary if you're in a situation and have questions about that whole process. Uh, And we'll give those phone numbers out in a couple of minutes at the end of the, at the end of our interview. So now let's talk about how you are supported and how people can support you. Yes. as, As an organization
1: yes so we are um we are grant funded we um at federal and state levels so we get money through um partially through the victims of crime act and um other federal grants and we are also um funded by people who make donations to our agency so if people want to um want to support us, that's a great way to do it. Um, You can make a, a, you know, send a check to the office in Ukiah or to Fort Bragg. Um, We are so grateful for all of the community support. One thing that I did want to mention is that we have um, every holiday season in the winter, we have a program called Sponsor a Family, where we uh, connect our clients to sponsors in the community. um, And They will, what we did this last year because of COVID, generally people have bought presents like physical objects. And um, during COVID, we had everything be done through gift cards. And so people, um, and we were, trying to do something where we were supporting local businesses at the same time as um, also getting our clients what they needed so people, um, our clients listed which local businesses they shopped at the most and then we matched them with sponsors who uh, provided gift cards to those businesses and it was the most successful sponsor family that we've had in a very long time Um, on the coast there was over $11,000 that we redistributed to our clients through these gift cards Um, and it was directly exactly what the people needed so it was just so, it was um, really nourishing to be a part of this program and to help people get the the funds that they needed, especially during COVID, um, where people were requesting more things like, you know, um, grocery supplies, you know, money for groceries and money for gas, money for utilities, things that are just um, basic needs that um, our community was able to help our clients get met. So, so grateful for this really beautiful Mendocino Coast and Mendocino County community that is so supportive of our agency and has been for a really long time. That's really heartwarming to hear that. Yes. But and um, the the other thing that um I wanted to mention was the the HMIS grant that we have been given that is putting up people, I think I did mention it, but is putting up people long term in, in housing on the coast um, is, is has been such a boost to, to our agency during COVID. So I just wanted to mention that again, that's a funding source that's been so um, positive and has also helped us just with people to help people pay their utilities and other basic needs during this time.
0: Well, I know we could go on talking for hours more I, I know there are several things that you wanted to talk about that we that we weren't able to fit in, but um, I just want to give you an opportunity to make you know any closing remarks you I know you mentioned the project the the concept of consent. I don't know if you if, if there is time to weave that in and then be sure to give your website and your phone numbers again and, and maybe your email.
1: Um, yes. So I, I um, just did want to talk about consent a little bit. Um, you know, in, in the state of California, consent has to be freely given. It can't be coerced or forced. Um, and a person can't be under the influence of drugs or alcohol and still give consent. Um, and consent to one thing doesn't mean that you've consented to another. So just because you're in um, an intimate situation with somebody and um, maybe you're kissing, that doesn't mean that you've consented to something else down the line. So to keep checking in and having open communication with your partners um, and to to build that intimacy and trust so that you can communicate openly with each other and have um, healthy relationships and and healthy sexual experiences. So our um, our website is projectsanctuary.org. People can email me directly about the youth advocate training program the volunteer program, or to get Zoom links for any of the events that we have coming up at the end of April at Vicki, that's V-I-C-K-I at projectsanctuary.org. And I'll give those crisis line numbers once again, because that's a way that you can contact the agency uh, at any time of day. So in Fort Bragg, that's 964-4357. And in Ukiah,
0: 463-4357. Thank you so much, Vicki Wellspring. And thank you so much, Project Sanctuary, for all you have done and are doing and will continue to do for our community. And again, the website, ProjectSanctuary.org. Thank you for being on Wildlife Living this morning and all the best.
1: Thank you so much, Johanna. What a pleasure and a joy. Really appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You are lis-
0: bye-bye. You are listening to Wild Oak Living here on KCYX, Mendocino Ooh. County Public Broadcasting. This is Johanna Wild Oak, and I bring you this program every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Today, we've been talking to Vicki Wellspring from Project Sanctuary, and now we're going to switch gears, and we're going to be talking to Rose Bell from the Community Foundation of Mendocino County because they are well, they have been doing a lot of really great work. Uh, today, we specifically want to talk about their uh, COVID 19 relief fund and some um, granting or funding opportunities that are coming up for nonprofits related to uh, COVID 19 relief. So, welcome to Wildered Living, Rose Bell.
2: Thank you so much, Johanna. We appreciate being on and being able to share this opportunity.
0: And I appreciate seeing you in person. As you today. mentioned, we've...
2: <laughs> I know, it's actually, you know, this is one of the benefits of, of everyone moving to Zoom is we can see people that we might have only been on the phone with before.
0: Right. Go ahead and talk to you. Talk so, to yes, about.
2: we have... Um, been... <laughs> We've been doing um, COVID relief work since uh, March 2020, right after the pandemic kind of hit Mendocino County and we went into shelter-in-place. We uh, decided in in some conversations with donors, Savings Bank of Mendocino County and um, Sonoma Clean Power uh, came to us and asked if we were going to do anything in response to COVID-19. And so we asked, you know, if you will give a lead gift, we will do something. And they generously did. And we were able to raise funds to launch our COVID-19 relief program. To date, we have raised and reallocated because we used some funds that we had um, already had um, over two and a half million dollars, which has been um, pretty incredible to see our community come out to help each other, really. And we launched kind of a a multi-sector COVID-19 relief program, wanting to make sure we were taking care of individuals and families that were being impacted and couldn't access other resources, wanting to make sure we were helping small businesses that were struggling. And then, um, very importantly, uh, because they are who we most commonly support, is the nonprofit sector in Mendocino County. And so we've um, done, um, we've been providing individualists, go ahead. I think we have a slight delay.
0: Yes, I know. I, I, I recognize that. So um, I, I, I will let you continue talking and and, and until you give me a sign that, that you're ready for the next question. That way I won't end up interrupting you.
2: <laughs> that sounds good. Working with technology. Um, Yeah, so we have been providing individual assistance funding through um, a handful of nonprofits throughout Mendocino County to help individuals. So I do want to make sure people are aware um, that if they are struggling because of the pandemic and they need assistance with rent or utilities, there is funding available. You can apply through uh, North Coast Opportunities. That's ncoinc.org. And there is funds that have been granted from our COVID-19 relief fund to help individuals throughout the county in every region, um, and to date, we've awarded over five hundred thousand dollars in individual assistance grants. And as of the end of December, that had um, we had supported over seven hundred individuals and in households through those grants. We have also been focusing on hunger relief, um, providing grant funding to senior centers and food banks, as well as other uh, family resource centers throughout the county. And again, over half a million has gone out in hunger relief for the county since last March. And then um, the small business sector, uh, $230,000 went out in small grants to micro businesses countywide uh, that went out through the West Business Development Center um, to help small businesses kind of pivot and adapt to be able to work through the pandemic. Our goal is to help people get through this so that we have our small businesses and we have our nonprofits and we have our families intact at the end of the pandemic so that we can come back stronger and thrive. And, um, and not lose these important organizations along the way. And then that takes me to nonprofits, which is what the, the current grant that's open um, is available to is that we've been providing nonprofit relief so we've been doing grants to either help nonprofits adapt as well so they might um by buying new equipment or um staffing in different ways to be able to work through the pandemic safely and to offer services remotely um or some is just to help with operations just to keep people kind of open and and moving through this and so i was just trying to calculate this as as, as i was calling in um but i think we have done uh almost three, probably over $300,000 in nonprofit relief to date. And our current grant for nonprofit relief is open now. The, the application is on our website. That's commutefound.org.org. And that is, um, those grants are available to help nonprofits with operations as well as to pivot. And so if people have, experienced a reduction in funding um, or a demand in services, or they're needing to adapt to be able to maintain their services, there are uh, grants open now, and those go up to $7,500. And that deadline is May 14th, and we have up to $100,000 to award. This will be our fourth round of nonprofit relief funding that we have done in this series. So that's kind of the overview of our um of our funding so far.
0: And uh, what's what's the process for, for a nonprofit to avail themselves of this funding? And can you also talk a bit about the, the Zoom grant?
2: Absolutely, thank you for the reminder on the Zoom grant. Um, So uh, quickly the zoom grant and then I'll explain the process because it's the same for both. Uh, We have zoom grants we started last year again because so many uh, individuals and organizations have had to take on zoom licenses to be able to maintain their services. Uh, we were able to get a grant from Rebuild North Bay to help us fund uh, Zoom licenses for nonprofits in Mendocino County. We have reopened the Zoom grants up, and those are available for the cost of a one-year license. So that ranges from $150 to $600, depending on the organization's needs. And we have a total of $5,000 available for Zoom grants. And the idea is really any Mendocino County nonprofit that needs a Zoom grant to be able to continue providing services or keep their business running uh, can apply. The applications for both the Zoom grant and the Nonprofit Relief Grant are on our website. Um, you can just go to our homepage, which is communityfound.org, and if you scroll down just a little ways, you'll see the, um, the links for these two grants. The Zoom grant application is very short. We don't require a whole lot of information. The Nonprofit Relief Grant is more of one of our standard grant applications, um, but both should be fairly manageable, and we do have staff available if, if anyone has trouble completing the grant um, application and needs some assistance.
0: My understanding is that uh, this is the—is uh, it this, the third or fourth installment of this application process? What are what are some of the examples of, of needs that that people have been applying for from nonprofits?
2: Yeah, so this will be our fourth round. We just at uh, our board meeting on Tuesday of this week approved the third round of uh, of grantees and so this is our fourth round we're hoping to be able to provide assistance our our goals with our COVID-19 relief program overall are trying to get people kind of through summer of 21 if we can um before we run out of funding um you know we we do remain open to accept donations and and try and raise money still but what we've allocated out is to hopefully get us through the summer of 21. Um, so examples include anything from um, general operating support. So, you know, organizations that maybe have high overhead that they have to maintain um and when they can't have people coming in, but also um ways to kind of pivot. So for example, um there have been things like assisting with buying equipment to be able to do outdoor um events or filmings things along those lines there have been um the need to be able to hire some staffing to be able to offer new programs that are that are more COVID safe um there let's see there's been some a lot of it has been kind of fixed expenses and operations which people Mm -hmm. really need you know we've There have been a number of projects, but so many people we've discovered in this past year don't have a whole lot of capacity to start a whole new project when they're trying to mostly kind of stay afloat through the pandemic. And so we've provided a lot of operational support, Um, you know, one great one is with Coastal Seniors, um, some operational to help them deliver 10,000 meals to seniors and disabled adults. Another one is helping an organization to archive all their historical files and get their website updated. Not a lot of organizations have kind of strong websites, and now that's how so many people are accessing them. Um, so those are just a couple brief examples.
0: There's, there's a, a, a few more really interesting activities that the Community Foundation is involved in that I just wanted to, to touch on uh, briefly because we have a few minutes uh, and that is, uh, we talked about the COVID-19 relief fund and the nonprofit relief fund. You also have a business innovation and resiliency fund. Uh, and by the way, these are all funds that you as a member of the community can, can contribute to and can support. That's the whole idea of the community foundation is that the community supports the community. Um, and then also if you could briefly talk about, because there is the application date coming up about the, um, executive director leadership institute.
2: Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, so the Small Business uh, Business Innovation and Resiliency Fund was established uh, thanks to some donors that came in and led with that. And those are the ones that we were able to award $230,000. That went out to, um, I had the number right in front of me. I feel like it was something in the range of 85 to 90 small businesses in Mendocino County received those those grants in in three rounds um and then the executive director leadership institute so as part of our Efforts to support the nonprofit community, the Community Foundation was created as a way to keep philanthropic dollars local to Mendocino County, but also to help our nonprofit community thrive because they're really important to providing the services that our, that our community needs. And so, in our work around the COVID-19 um, relief, we have wanted to not only provide funding, but also provide opportunities to help nonprofits um, excel um, t- during the pandemic and beyond. One of those is our Executive Director Leadership Institute, which was started last year, was our inaugural year, and it was kind of a brainchild of Megan Barbara Allende, our CEO. And the idea is it offers learning opportunities for new executive directors in Mendocino County. We are kind of at a time in our county where there's a lot of transition from some of those early founders and leaders who are leaving organizations or retiring and new leaders are coming in And there's not always training or the opportunity to learn side by side with with the outgoing um, organizational leader. And so the idea with the Executive Director Leadership Institute is to give people opportunities to learn new skills and grow um, in their leadership style for their own organization. Because if we have strong leadership in our nonprofit sector, then we'll have a stronger nonprofit sector. So we have actually a pretty exciting um, EDLI coming up this month on April 16th. It's going to run a little longer than our previous one it'll run from 9 to 12 pm and this is on racial equity in organizations this is something um, that our organization the community foundation has really taken on this year we um our board and staff have been going through diversity equity and inclusion trainings we've been doing um, a series of readings and discussions to try and educate ourselves on, um, on a better understanding of kind of the diverse needs uh, that exist in this world and understanding the own lens and how we approach that. And so we are offering this Executive Director Leadership Institute. I'm looking forward to attending it myself. Um, on April 16th, it's open to any nonprofit in Mendocino County can attend. Uh, if you go to our homepage, that's communityfound.org, uh, and you scroll to the bottom of the homepage, there is a registration link. You do need to register in advance so that we know how many people we're going to have. Um, and we're going to have three speakers. Uh, our facilitators are Ron White, who's from the Humble Area Foundation. Aristea Salisbury and Melissa Myris are from Stepping Stone Diversity Consulting. And they're going to do kind of this interactive workshop to cover the course concepts and create a space for some productive discussion around these issues and provide some tools and resources for people um, who are pursuing racial equity in their organization um, and uh, within this kind of rural setting that we live in. So I think it's a really exciting opportunity. Not everyone has the ability to bring in speakers to their own organization on these topics, so this is a good chance for any organization in the county to kind of tap in and and just broaden their understanding and their knowledge around um, equity.
0: Let's use the remaining few minutes that we have to, to, to give you an opportunity to talk about how our community can support the Community Foundation. What are the various ways of engaging and contributing to your organization?
2: Thank you so much. Yes, um, we are a community-founded organization and we are here to support the community. Um, And the way that we raise funds is donors large and small. And so we have had lead donors that have come in to help establish a fund or support a fund, but we also receive small donations of any size to our funds. Um, And we are able to keep those dollars local. They go out to our local organizations. Um, Anyone can log on to our website at communityfound.org and there is a link that says for donors if you go there even if you're giving five dollars you're a donor and so you can go there and you can choose any kind of fund we've been talking about our COVID-19 relief fund um, because that's obviously uh, in the forefront of all of our minds right now and a lot of the work that we're doing but that we also have funds to support all kinds of um, areas of interest in our county, anything from arts and humanities to animals, seniors, youth, education. And so it's a great way to be able to support organizations and um, and and areas of interest, pieces of this county that mean so much to us of why we live here and why we want it to thrive and support it. Um, and so anyone can support a fund on our page, um, and if they're interested in learning more about establishing a fund, so we have um, we have funds that that support all kinds of interests that support all kinds of organizations in our county, and people can support create their own fund if they have a special interest um, that they want to support, or if they have a scholarship that they would like to create um, to support an a certain sector of students. Um, and so you can learn more about both what we do and ways to support the Community Foundation's work in the county uh, by going to communityfound.org. And just to add to that, we do have on homepage, we just came out with our COVID-19 relief program uh, report which is the work that we did in the year of 2020 and it shows the impact throughout the county and how much has gone out and how much was raised so if you want to learn specifically more about COVID-19 relief the work we've done and what's available that report is also available on the home page of our website.
0: I was just going to mention that you know if, if people would like to support you and would like to know what you do with the money that people donate to support you. There are these reports uh, on on the website where you can learn much more. Um, well, thank you so much, Rose, or any comment I want to offer.
2: This was great. Thank you so much for having us on. We love being able to come on to Way X. The work that you all do is really important for our county. We're always pleased when we have an opportunity to support your work um, to help keep our county informed. We rely on you so much. So thank you for the work that you're doing and for giving us an opportunity to share this opportunity. And we hope that um, many people will come on and uh and log on to communityfound.org to be able to apply for funding opportunities or to give to their neighbors.
0: Thank you so much. I love your vision, vision state, mission statement, which is, is to offer people effective ways to engage in advancing the well-being of our communities. That's great. Thank you so much for the work you do. And thank you so much, Rose Bell, for being on to talk about the Community Foundation of Mendocino County today on KCWX. And all the best for your work. Thank you. This is my pleasure. Thank while you. Likewise. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye bye you've been listening to wilder living here on Casey wax and Z this is Johanna Wilder and I bring you this program every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m two weeks from today I'm going to be talking with Bellevue Rooks who is a poet and that's going to be a, f- a fascinating conversation and we're also going to be I'm also going to be sharing some inspiring s- stories about uh, dealing with climate change and resilience in dealing in the with uh, in the face and uh, resilience in the face of climate change so and also it's going to be our pledge drive so please tune in for that because that program is going to be one of the programs that picks that kicks off our pledge drive uh, on april 22nd so please tune in for that april 22nd at 9 am uh, to pledge for us and to listen to Bell V Brooks and to historians about resilience. Thank you so much for listening to Wild Earth Living and thank you so much for tuning into KZYX and thank you for supporting KZYX and if you don't want to wait until the pledge drive go to KZYX.org and click on that donate button to support us. Thank you so much. I will talk to you in two weeks and thank you Alicia this morning for engineering.